everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for June. Sunny June, overcast, dull, hot, humid. It's potentially been snowing. I think we've had fog at one time. It's, it just can continually changes, you know, as these things kind of do. Now, there's two things you can do. You can set yourself kind of goals and challenges in life, and you can set yourself kind of things that you would like to achieve. One of the things I decided to set myself is to is it possibility that I could maybe have David Turtsey back on the show again because he's obviously he's a delight. And the second thing is is there a possibility that I could control David Turtsey if he ever came back on the show. And so I decided if you're going to be doing something like that, you need to bring on somebody that's going to back you up, somebody that's potentially going to help you, somebody that's going to maybe help David to buckle down a bit. So with that in mind, I have, I've been joined, I'm delighted to be joined by the co-creator, co-designer of the Imperium Classic and Imperium Legends games, which are currently being much lauded published by Osprey Games. I have got David Turtsey and I have got Nigel Buckle. So good evening to you both. Good evening to you and all the listeners. Is David still uh, muted himself? <laughs> yes, yes. After good evening after I decided that I have kept stay silent long enough for you not to make a joke about it. Brilliant. Oh dear. Um how okay, so first of all, David, are you well? Uh, yes or no is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I deserve that. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but are you well? That's fine. It's entirely... I mean, I am delaying my dinner over entertaining you, so make the most of it, please. <laughs> That's, I mean, if you want, you can go. I mean, I'm not going to No, 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 it's fine. No, no, no it's you fine. can stay. No, we've got stuff to talk I, about. I like Nigel. Nigel. I'm fine. How are you? That's that's nice. I, I, yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm delighted to kind of have you on, um, because I mean, <clears throat> what we do, what we the general kind of premise of the show, and I never ever assume that anybody listens to any of the any of the episodes that we put out here, is to find a little bit more out about the the kind of the designers um, and developers behind the games. So. When I was speaking to Benji Osprey, he offered me the opportunity to chat to you both about kind of the Imperium, uh, the Imperium games, which seem to be they're being very, very well received at the moment. There's videos left, right, and centre. People are doing kind of 
playthroughs and unboxings and they're taking photographs and everything like that. And I thought it'd be interesting to hear a bit more about yourself, Nigel, and how you got into the kind of the design side of things and what it's like kind of working with one of the hardest working people or the most prolific designers in developers in the industry at the moment, which is David. I know I give you a lot of nonsense, David, you know, and some of it's deserved and some of it's undeserved, but I'm wondering if you're actually just a Terminator because you just never seem to be stopping at all. I just don't think he sleeps. Isn't that right? I don't think it's. I, I do, but I, but, his... I, but I design games while I sleep, so it actually quite works. <laughs> there is no. Are you like a dolphin? <laughs> is that you have half of your brain, kind of like asleep? You rest half your brain, and the rest, of the other side of your brain's kind of designing away. I, I don't know. And then, I mean, I've I've definitely been doing doing the designing in my sleep part a little bit too much recently, but mm-hmm. as long as I just you know, knock myself out and sleep through a day once every month or so, then it seems to mm-hmm. be keeping me alive. So, you know, ain't complaining. <laughs> um, let's start. I mean, let's, we'll talk obviously about stuff that you've been up to very soon, David, because it is, as we said, very, very prolific. In terms of yourself, Nigel, you've, you've kind of, you've, you've kind of really come into the forefront kind of quite quite recently. I mean, in terms of kind of like back catalogue, have you have you had a lot of designs done? I mean, how I mean, have you got a few kind of games kind of titles out there that pe- maybe people have heard of that you'd like to I've, I've kind of remind us I've of? I've got titles out there that you won't have ever heard of probably. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of op- I've been operating in stealth mode, I think. Under everybody's radar. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. are you, are you if Nigel like is going to be, be like... this polite the whole thing <laughs> that I will have to keep interrupting like I'm trying to be nice but Nigel is out nicing me and that ain't going to work I just like that I like the fact see I think it's going to be like um, you get these people that kind of go well I was in a Nigel buckle back when he was doing the Celtic game kind of thing you know you get these folk that are kind of like they've been liking bands back when they were doing their kind of their garage tapes so there's probably board gamers out there that are going oh nigel yeah i've heard of him for years if you not looked at the other stuff that he's done but um have you been kind of like quietly slinking along like a designer shark kind of waiting to strike well, and then all of a sudden it's more i'm i tend to spend quite a bit of time with a game usually and mm-hmm. the other side of it is as anybody who would you know oh i'm going to design a game you having the idea is yeah. the easy bit and then making the game is a challenge and then getting it to actually be published is a whole different <laughs> matter and some yeah. of it is yeah. you know it's like a lot of things in life once you're well known it's easy, but when no one well, knows you, it's like, who are you? And yeah, get, getting your design in front of people and getting a publisher to actually take notice and, you know, risk, because it's a risk, um, you is obviously a bit of a challenge, yeah. really. So yeah, it's taken me a while. What kind of games would you say kind of influenced you? What games do you kind of, 
what kind of, not games that necessarily got you into the hobby, because that's the same old story and everybody asks that question. But what would you say kind of games that influenced you enough for you to say, you know what, I can get some white paper and some post-it notes and some pens and start making stuff. I think, I mean, I've been playing games for as almost as long as I can remember. And mm-hmm. we all, back in the day, there wasn't the vast choice you've got now. So, mm-hmm. and also, yeah. you know, when you're a teenager or whatever, you haven't got acres of disposable income. So, and there's not the yeah. internet to say, is this any good? So you might buy a game and then discover it doesn't really suit you or the rules are rubbish mm-hmm. or whatever, and you'd house rule it. So an awful lot of my early playing of games, we have what we called house rules where we change it to what suited us. So me designing mm-hmm. games was just an extension of that, really. So originally it's taking someone else's idea and changing it to suit me. And then I got to the point yeah. where, well, how about going one step further and starting from scratch? Although, of course, you never start from scratch because you're, you know, you're inspired by or you've seen something in another game. You think, oh, yeah, I quite like that, but that's not quite how I'd do it. And, you know, going from there, really. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when you design games, you know, you come up with what you think is a great idea. And then when you actually get some scraps of paper and bits of cardboard or whatever and put it down in front of someone else, you realise that, yeah, how I thought that was going to work isn't, yeah, no, it's not, not <laughs> that great, really. Perhaps not. So, yeah, there's just, I've, I've found lots of different ways not to make a game, put it that way, shall we say. Um. <laughs> you, is it is it is it been? Do you think it's easier to get stuff out there now with like the kind of the emphasis on social media and everybody on kind of like board game geek and stuff like that? That it's easier to kind of get noticed by certain people, or is it still as difficult? And is it still it can be down to kind of being in the right place at the right time for I, a lot? Of I things think there is quite a lot of being in the right place at the right time, but. I think if you if you've got mm-hmm. passion and vision and determination and a little bit of capital, you can always just go do it yourself. Yeah. There are people that kickstart a game with me and make fifty copies. Okay, they're not gonna they're yeah. not gonna make a big fortune. They're not gonna make a small fortune. They might not make any money at all, but they've had the, uh-huh. the pleasure and the enjoyment or the stress or everything of you know making something, creating something, and people have bought it. So I think, yes, now the opportunity's there for people. I think Kickstarter has changed quite a bit, and now quite a lot of the big companies use as a pre-order system. And I think that probably hurts some of the little people who want to just, you know, do a small print run of 50 copies or whatever. People just go, move on. There's not 400 minis in this one. So I think... Maybe the golden yeah. age of that has passed. I don't know. But there's still competitions on Board Game Geek, you know, where you're kind of like, can you make a game out of a postcard or, you know, one page of rules? The roll and write stuff, you know, if you want to design a game around that, all you need is a pad of paper and a, and a die. So I think there is... Or if... Or, <laughs> I was going to say, or if you're David, like a normal-sized board game. Yes. Basically, I've seen his, I've seen his roll and write. Yeah. I've played his roll and write game. And twenty five cast, <laughs> and twenty five custom time. dice. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, there's only nine in it. Come on. You guys are picking on me now. There's, there's it's only, just like we... What, Nine custom dice of three molds in the Roman roll, and it was a perfectly nice medium heavyweight economic hero game. If you want to talk about crazy roll and ride, ask me about Vengeance Roll and Fight, because that was crazy, but it's a different kind of crazy because it's real time. I dare you to try and do that. <laughs> I'm not, I've just can't, I just, you know, I, I'm not here. I mean, you will get a chance to speak, and I'm sorry, but. <laughs> It's kind of like it's I'm not. It's I'm just here. like a little dig. I don't hear. I, I, you know everything I have to say already. I don't. No, I don't. You continually surprise me. It's like having an excited <laughs> kitten that's found the catnip, really, and the meeples at the at the end of the day. Um, what I have to ask you, uh, the question I do have to ask you, Nigel, is uh, Celtic Quest. Yes, the first game that you you did, two thousand and five. And then after that, you've got Omega Centauri at 2014, okay? Uh, And then you've got, obviously, Imperium, which comes along kind of like another kind of, what, six, seven years later. Are you going to start doing things quicker? Well... Because you're only on the planet for a... Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the thing is... (laughs) Um, Omega Centauri would have come out a lot quicker, but the original publisher, yeah. that all went a bit south, and then Spiral mm. Galaxy rescued it, but obviously then it took, you know, a little bit of time and they wanted to make some little changes and whatever before that came out. And then Imperium, as we know, would have gone with a different publisher and that had a little yeah. stumble as well. So I think, you know... Mm. Not going to say unlucky, but yeah, there's been there's been a few there's been a few speed bumps in the way, shall we say? Yeah. When you were first coming up with kind of like Imperium, was there any part of you because you work on something, you work on a game? Like I'll write an article or I'll do a video or I'll you know, and I'll go, oh that that actually I think that works kind of thing. With Imperium, when you were kind of going through it and and playing it and play testing it. Were you kind of going? Actually, this this is really working for me. At the okay, well, so did you have any? Yeah. Kind so of- the way the way Imperium started was, I played Dominion, and was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, what an amazing!" Because I played collectible card games where you built a deck and then bought along and played it. Yeah. But Dominion was like, yeah. build your deck as you play. Oh my god, that is amazing! And yeah. all over London, everybody was playing it everywhere. But I didn't actually yeah. like it that much. It was a little bit too dry for me. I didn't really like the kind of take a long time setting all your piles up and then looking at the thing and working out with your engineers and then you know that that didn't yeah. really grab me that much. Um, so I thought, well, can I do something like that? So I went away and did my own deck builder and played it with the group I play with. We quite liked it. And that, you yeah. know, we did that for probably about a year. And then I thought, oh, no, we'll take it to somebody else, see what they think. And I did, and it was a disaster. Because the problem was we had the drafting, and it got to the point where you need to know how to play the game to know how to do the draft, but you need to do the draft to play the game. So just anybody coming in yeah. could never start. So it just it was a disaster. So we kind of threw 
I threw nearly all that away and, and gave up. And then a little bit later, um, we played um, Core World, I think it was, and some other ones that kind of got, got me yeah. back into deck building. And then I went back and revisited what I had as a drafting game. And rather than draft, I built a tableau, mm -hmm. which is what you kind of do with Core Worlds. So it became a tableau building with the civilization theme. And that that worked a lot better. And yeah, played that, played that around some of my local games clubs. People were quite interested in yeah. it. It, you know, it did quite well. Yeah. I pitched it to a few publishers and they like lots of cards. Didn't really go anywhere, but I got some feedback about improving things. So again, carried on working on it. And then eventually pitched yeah. it to what was NSKN and they loved it. And they went, great, we'd do this, but our publishing, we're kind of booked up because, you know, that's how publishers work. So it was a little while yeah, yeah. before they could get to publish it. Um, but they, they had a list of things they wanted changed. And I mean, it started off with six civilization. I think I had it and they wanted more than that and some other bits and pieces. So I had things to do while I was waiting. And then that's when David got um, kind of pulled into the project as well because they, they asked him to come and help with the developing. Ike was dibs on Nigel. Did you, I mean, with the number of games that you've been involved in, David, when you started getting eyes on Imperium, were you kind of like, oh, I like, you know, this is clinking away in my nice little head I like what I'm, I'm seeing so, here and, and here's the things I would change <laughs> yes and no and let me just tell the whole story and then I'll, I'll do it quickly Let, oh, yeah let's do it yeah. this is your time to talk yeah. I know I know thank you so the <laughs> so I knew Nigel before Imperium because yeah. uh, he was the other board game designer in the board game club I was frequenting at the time and when my first game came out uh, in 2000, I want to say 13, then I was like, you know, everybody look at me, I have a game that that kind of person, luckily, I got worse since. And, uh, and uh, one summer, many, many years ago, Nigel and I traded copies. I, I, I gave him my first game, which is not terrible, but you know, it, I, I wouldn't publish it today in the form it was then. Uh, and he handed me Omega Centauri. And yeah. he warned me that the player aid is terrible. He warned me that the rulebook is terrible. And God, they are. Uh, but I think he, <laughs> the Dungeon, you might have even taught, it to, taught the game to yeah, me I at the I time. Yeah. I don't remember. And yeah. then I took it back to my own uh, friends group. And we played it like three or four or five times. And this was on the tail end of the popularity of the first edition of Eclipse. Mm -hmm. And I... I really enjoyed the concept of Eclipse, and the more and more I played, the less and the more and more I realized that I just enjoy having fun with it, but I don't enjoy the actual things happening at me in the game. And and Omega Centauri lit this light. It's like holy hell. And then I asked Nigel, hey, why is you know why is nobody knowing about this game? Why is the play rate crappy? Etc. Etc. And he told me all the uh, tragic backstories of, of why games take seven years for him. And yeah. uh, I was like, all right, 
I'll, I'll, let, let's keep it in mind. Maybe in the future we can work together. And when in 2018-ish, I started working as a even initially a part-time and then a full-time game developer. One of the publishers I was working for was an SKM. Yeah. And uh, because they published Dice Settlers, and I helped them both develop and do the solo mode for Teotihuacan, which is now a BGG top whatever super highly rated thing. So they were like, cool, let's keep doing this. Yeah. And I was like, all right, what projects do you have in mind? And they put two or three games on the table, and I saw Nigel's name on one of them. And I was like, I don't <laughs> care, I want that one. Because this is the guy that made me like Space 4X again. Let's see what he does. Oh, it's a boring deck builder. I hate those. So that was my predisposition when I sat down to play Imperium is, oh God, another deck builder. There hasn't been a good one since Mage Knight. Oh, come on. Well, I suppose so. See, I'm like that, but yes. then I get, I kind of like, I'm like, oh, I hate deck builders. And then I play, I have a love-hate relationship with like Star Realms. And I'll play Star Realms and then I'll Star get Realms right into it. It's a perfectly fun app. It's, it's something yes. I want to play against uh, fun friends of mine while we're waiting for the, 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 the burgers to flip. It's not a game I sit down to play games. So for me, uh, the promise... So for me, deck building was Mage Knight and what I hoped Few Acres of Snow would be, but it obviously isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Core Worlds. Core Worlds was like the one exception of mm. deck builders that like kind of worked for me. Mm. And then I sat down to play Imperium. And b I didn't know at the time that Corvettes was Nigel's main inspiration, but because it was, it mm. felt like in the di direction I want it to be. The the natural arc of, of the nation deck and the civilizations that makes the game cool is great. Uh, explaining asymmetric civilizations to people is great. But I'm always the kind of person that wants strategy and not random messing around, but I don't want to be bored on my opponent's turn because yeah, then I zoom yeah. out and I don't play it. So when I played the game, originally the, my job just was to figure out how to make a solo mode for it. And it's like, deck builders, why do you need solo? You just sit there and be bored for an hour by yourself. Um, so I played the game and I asked myself, how could so you dial that up to make me want to play it even if... I'm not sitting there having some fun person across the table talk to me. And and from day one, that's what I've been doing to Nigel is, I love what you're doing, but could you make it better into that direction? And I love working with Nigel because he says, no, wait, actually, yes, and then it's perfect. And, and then when he thinks that he's off the hook, then I ask a question just like that again. And every time mm. I ask a question like that, he makes the game somehow better. And uh, we did that. The game got a lot... Like, my biggest insistence was that the market should be non-random and meaningful which cards you want to buy. And that's... You can see it in the, the, the setup of the game now, that it's not a river that gets refilled. And yeah. in the way the way the, you add a token at the end of the round and other people can't exile that card, but if they, but they might want to buy it now because you made it better. So that creates this whole, you don't want to put a token on a good card that your opponent already wants to buy, but you don't want to put it 
on but you don't want to not put it on the card that you want to buy either because if you don't then it gets exiled but what if you yeah. so so that that means that the decision of which card to put your token on sometimes matters sometimes not but when it does mm. the only way to make the decision reasonably is to pay attention to your opponent and and as as like asymmetric is cool but can we make it more asymmetric and more and 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 the coordination's got a little bit more asymmetric, and then as Nigel will tell the story afterwards, we went nuts. But but everything was about to me because the mechanisms are smart, but the system of hey, you buy better cards and shuffle your deck isn't interesting to me. Therefore, yes. I was asking everything else to be super interesting. And yeah, and yeah. Nigel obliged me. And and now we have a game that the deck builder fans like, and the and the I don't like deck builders because I just have to buy the better card. People can also like. They like that and as well. That's all I and can ask for. In terms of, um, and this is for Nigel, because I've I mean I've met David. I've we've he's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's a very he's a confident, strong kind of personality. So when it came to working together with him in the development and the design side of things of Imp- of Imperium, did you have to be? Did you have to be quite kind of aware of still pushing the original kind of vision of Imperium and learning how to kind of like push back, or were you quite stubborn and say, right, we're I see where you're going with this. But this has got to remain in the game, otherwise it kind of goes against what I was trying to achieve as a okay. game. Kind of so, I mean, for me, all the cards have, have to make sense thematically. So if you mm. look at any card in Imperium, okay, you might have to squint yeah. a tiny little bit, but all the cards, there's a thematic, you can see the theme behind it. And I didn't want to just create a card because the game needed it and then oh yeah we just paste something on it'll be fine so there was a reason behind them all so if we if we needed something altered it'd be like well then it can't be called that it's gonna have to be something else so that that was the first side of it the other thing i would say about david yes he's got opinions he's quite you know forceful in, in his opinions but he's not one of these people that i'm right i'm not listening to anybody else if you can come back with yeah but what about this or have you thought about that he's once you've convinced him that actually what you were thinking actually is valid and correct he'll quite happily drop what he was arguing for 20 minutes ago and then vehemently argue that what you're now saying is the way it should go so it just be you know i just had to make sure that you know i wasn't bullshitting really yeah, no, I get the impression. And no, as I say, from my interactions with with David, he's very passionate about what he does. That you know, very very passionate about what he does. I think at the end of the day, I'm probably correct in saying that David just wants to make a really really good game. Exactly, and he's not. And that's the core. That's the yeah, core and he's not. It. He's not so egotistical that my idea has got to be in it, come what may. Often he'll often yeah. he'll say, "There's something up here. This wheel's a little bit wonky." Mm-hmm. Here's my idea to straighten yeah. it. And I'll go, yeah, okay. And then yeah. I'm the sort of person that kind of has to um, cogitate on things. Often Dave and I have a joke that I have to go sleep. I have to go and sleep on it. And then I'll come back after yeah. I thought about it a bit with, yeah, okay, this wheel's wonky. This is how we want to straighten it. 
And it, it, it yeah. wasn't David's original suggestion, or it might be part of his original suggestion, but I've done something slightly, something slightly different on top. So I think to, we yeah, work yeah. quite well together, I think. We're both respectful you, of each you, other, I think. Do you sometimes find you've got the ability to slow them down a bit? No. Because you're like saying, right, this is brilliant, but I'm going to take a break and go off and think about uh, it. And he's kind of left there going, but. No, because but. He'll, he'll find something else to jump and flag at the same time. I quite often have to say to him, yeah. we're not changing two things at once because then we won't know. Yeah. If, if it doesn't work, we won't know which thing or whether it's the interaction that's caused it. So um, he's quite mm. keen to, you know, we'll have a list. And, yeah, sometimes I have to – but fortunately, because Dave is working on 101 projects, he can just, okay, I'll go look at something else and leave me working yeah. on it, and then we'll come back to it. So, yeah, it works It works really well, I think. I'm raising my hand here. Uh, yeah, so that's why the video's off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Go ahead. You. So, uh, first of all, everything he said is is true. Uh, the, so I, th it's it's exactly the fact that we are we are challenging each other because when it sounds like I am changing seven things at the same time, the way yeah. I feel is that I am doing a systematic fix, not a yes. tweaking this card, tweaking that card, tweaking that card. I'm applying it, but. If I do that a lot, I do get carried away, and sometimes I am changing seven things along with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, whereas if you're being too cautious and too, let me just change this one number and try again, then it might not ever in human lifetimes get to the part where it's really bloody good. But by both of us respectfully and 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 decisively explaining this to the other, we are. We both let the other one do their way if we feel that they can't be that wrong. So basically, we we shut down each other's mistakes. Nigel shuts me down when I'm being too fast, and mm. and and I'm sh I shut him down when he doesn't look far enough. And and because of that, the game is just this and some other you might find out later about is just rapidly improving without swinging to one side or another because yeah. he keeps me on swinging and I make sure that we push ahead and and that to me is the most fun way of making games yeah we definitely can't we complement each other so we're not we're not both doing the same thing at all yeah yeah I think sometimes you need that if you've got two people that are sitting there agreeing with each other all the time then sometimes you've got a tendency to miss out something which someday will come along and go, well, that bit doesn't work. And you've been so busy kind of nodding dog at each other that you kind of, you don't want to kind of challenge somebody on it. So it's, it's, it sounds that things are, things kind of work, kind of work really, really well together. Uh, and also, also the other thing is our tastes in games. Okay, there's some overlap, <clears throat> but David's definitely much more on the Euro side of the fence mm -hmm. and I whereas I'm quite happy to play a game like Eldrick Horror or Arkham Horror where yeah you can just not roll a six and just it's a disaster but you know the game tells yeah. a story you know you can remember those situations where you know I just could not pick up that gun or whatever it was 
in you know, and it, it, it creates a memory. So I, I I like those sort of games. And David would, might say they're not games; they're experiences. But you know, whatever. Um, Is that what you try to do with ex- Imperium? Yeah, yeah. Then, I like to, to think. Of... I mean, some you can look back at the end of the game and look in your nation's history, and it's it's like yeah. you've written the history of that nation. You know, if if I mean, uh-huh. if you don't want to play it that way, you can go into it just as a you know, I'm going to collect the most victory points, or I'm going to try this strategy and and do that. But if you're the sort of person yeah. that you know wants to say I'm going to be Rome and see if you know, you can do that as well. You can go get your bread and circuses, and you can see how far you know you're going to expand your empire, or are you going to develop more things than anybody else, or whatever. So those opportunities exist if you if that's the kind of thing you like to do as well. So for, for for people and, who and, uh, hands up, oh, he's back. No, I can. I yes. saw that. I just didn't know. Oh, my camera is on, huh? No, no, carry so, on. I can <laughs> edit it out. <laughs> yes, and and and, but conversely, uh, my experience and approach evolves, and 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 working with Niger, like like no, I still don't want to play the Roller Six to survive the encounter type of Emeritus Corp games, even though I now understand how people can have fun with it. But yes. uh, but I have witnessed it firsthand that heavy games that I loved and I enjoyed, and people yeah. were staring at me with blank expressions in their eyes of like I don't understand what this game is about. Once they been adapted to tell a story once they, they made more sense people liked it more and then once we had a story then that inspired me to come up with new mechanisms for that game and that made the game better so so like Nigel's point of view came along for my career just at the right time because I just about to became receptive to it and in fact today I want to design not setting but narrative of my who am i how am i trying to win what do i care about even if it's a excel spreadsheet simulator if there is no who am i then then i'm not having fun with it because i don't like playing excel sheet simulators i like games that are as smart as excel sheet simulators but they don't feel like that yeah yeah, so And therefore, it didn't take me a lot of convincing to approach it from the theme. And then once Nigel presented it and once once showed me examples of, look, this one doesn't tell the story, this one does, then I was able to say, oh, then we can tell that story with this mechanism. And yeah. he said, I get you, but it's too complicated. Let's try it this way. And again, it's just continuously improving each other. For people who... People who have well, they probably have heard of Imperium because it is, you know, it seems to be getting a lot of uh, coverage at the moment. But what would you what would you say for people who are looking at the game? What you would you be kind of like your two minute kind of elevator pitch, Nigel? How would you describe it to people who are looking at it, looking at the box, or looking at it online for the first time? I mean, it's going to depend what sort of game what sort of game they like really but i i pitch imperium as a game with an art with a narrative arc so you start as a barbarian and empire mostly and through the course of the game you become an empire and um Mm. i believe that for a deck builder (coughs) there's an awful lot of theme in the game because 
rather yeah. than it being, oh, you have a starting hand of one card that's different for everybody else, and then you know you've got free choice of where you go. Um, instead, with Imperium, you've got a personal market, which is your nation deck. So <clears throat> it's just the order of those is randomized. And then once you get through that and you become an empire, then you've got all your developments and it's up to you, you know, which direction you drive your civilization at that point to, you know, try and be successful. So the Romans will get their legions. The Romans will have <coughs> Julius Caesar. It's not relying on, oh. on him appearing in the market and you luckily grabbing him. So with that, yeah. we can, you know, firmly set the background of each civilization. So if you have any interest in the history at all, I'd, I'd like to think that, um, okay, you know, how can you describe Egypt in 23 cards is impossible. But at least if you were to sit down and on the back of a post-it, write down, you know, the highlights you might think of ancient Egypt, I'd like to think that at least some of them are in this game. So, so that's what I'd say is if, if you like experiencing that kind of thing and you really like asymmetry because each, each civilization is very, very different the way they play. And in Legends, it, gets, it goes off the scale really because with David on board, is that's the point where we really, really push the envelope of you know, what was possible. Yeah. People pick this up and then people really, really liked it. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm getting I'm getting people releasing videos on it. People are writing reviews. There's a lot of positive buzz about it every time I go on to, and I don't frequent Board Game Geek on a regular basis. But every time I've gone in the last month or something, it's always been it's been featured very, very prominently in some place on the, on the site. Were you were you how, how did you feel? when you were seeing the kind of the positive kind of reception that it got, Nigel, after, you know, the kind of the journey that you've been on with regards to your kind of your design and your games? Well, I, there was certainly moments where I'd kind of pinch myself and think I'm going to wake up in a minute. So there was certainly, <laughs> there was certainly some elements of that. Um, mm. But also I think because I've, you know, I've been around the block quite a lot. I'm not expecting absolutely everybody to love this game. There's going to be some people that will, it just won't work for them. They won't like the downtime. Yeah. It's too long. It's too much reading. Mm. Oh, I don't want to play this this nation two or three times before I know what I'm doing. I'm super competitive. I want to yeah. win straight away. Those kind of people will not mm. like it because you get a new nation and you pick it up. Your chance are you're going to crash and burn the first time you play because it's not the same as the one you played before. Yeah. So I'm fully expecting not everybody's going to love the game. And that's fine. You know, what I'd rather is they knew that before they bought it. I think it's yeah. I think it's horrible when someone gets tricked into buying a game thinking it's one thing and then discovers it's something else and they've, you know, spent their money on it. So I'd much rather the reviews were honest and not just a hype machine mm. and said, This is what I like about yeah. it, this is what I don't, or even if someone says, you know, I didn't like it at all. But if they but if they can, you know, explain why they didn't like it. I mean, that's what I do on board game geek when I read reviews or whatever playthroughs. Sometimes the, the, the yeah. negative ones are more helpful than the gushing positive ones. Cause sometimes people say, I didn't like it because of this and this and this. And I go, well, yeah, but I really like games that do that and that and that. So actually I might actually check this out. The fact you didn't like it doesn't mean I'm not going to like it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I'd much rather, and I'm quite pleased that you know with the people that are tending to cover it, are, you know, explaining what they like and showing the game, and mm-hmm. it seems the playthroughs are not all just the same two nations. Not everyone's just picking, you know, Rome and Carthage, and it, it, all you're seeing is that the whole time because hey, that's a typical historical matchup. People are picking different nations, yeah. so you know you can see whether you know the asymmetry is something you'd really like or not. So yeah, it's good. So, I'm, I'm pleased that I'm pleased that people are seeing it and thinking about yeah. it. Really. That's that's great. Because you've also got the Imperium Legends as well. Yes, and it's very rare for you to see kind of like a base game come out and then almost <clears throat> immediately there's like an set of expansions alongside it. Yeah, well, I'll. Uh, was that- Legends is not an expansion, and it's it came out literally at the same time. They are two independent well, base games. Yeah, I know. I I kind of know that, but what I guess what I'm saying is that it's kind of like it's very unusual for the usually a gap. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Usually there's like a base game, and then there's like a secondary game, but that's usually six months to a year down the line to say, well, if you like this one, you're really gonna love the Legends. It's because when when well. we went to Osprey, we had so many nations civilizations at that point the Osprey yeah. were going like yeah well this isn't going to fit our footprint of where we see the game you know they don't they didn't right. want to release a 60 euro big box with you know 14 nations in it or whatever but equally they didn't yeah, want yeah. to just release one and then you know have individual packs that you may or may not buy later i mean Mm. I guess they've done it a bit with some of their product line, but quite a lot of Osprey stuff. It's here's the game, so they were quite keen. They so there was there was quite a lot of back and forth about what they do, and then they they hit on the idea of two simultaneous games, both standalone but combinable, and you know which one you pick is a good question. I think if you're new to the genre, then classics is definitely a little bit more straightforward. Um, yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're a fairly experienced um, gamer or, you know, you think you're quite quick at picking things up, either one is fine. Mm. And I just pick the one that's got the civilizations that interest you. So, you know. And if you're the kind of solo, and if you're the kind of solo gamer that wants to sit at yeah. home with a very hard puzzle and figure it out eventually and get better at it, then actually Legends might even be better for you. So it's not like everyone should buy this e- except those few, because we mm-hmm. honestly believe that there is a right answer for everyone. And plus, the other thing I wanted to quickly drop in before you are, you know, get the word back from me is that. <laughs> One the main selling point of the game, besides the theme and the art and the smart stuff, is the asymmetry. And yeah, sure, if you only had the eight nations in classics to look at, you would already go, "Oh, it's pretty cool that how different uh, Romans are from the Carthaginians." But mm. the fact that you've you know that we know how to do the Olmecs and the Arthurians and the Utopians for uh, then. And, and the Vikings from classics, on the other hand, that makes you go, oh my God, how much things can this system truly do? And and that, that was ma- what made me excited because I want to do 
17 different more things with this system if they let yeah so. well that that's what i was going to say is uh, it sounds to me like this could be because you mentioned um i mean nigel you mentioned dominion now one of the things dominion is famous for is that you can literally potentially fill a calax with all of the <laughs> dominion expansions so are you guys already saying well in this case is it easy to say well we could have all of these things or is it or do you also need to be well why don't we just have another consider another maybe x number of decks and then we leave it as a system and that's it and then everybody kind of everybody can play it they've got tons of player replayability they are different configurations of um the different uh, factions that they can deal with well i think i mean some of it depends on osprey and if they're interested in doing more and if they are well, we wouldn't say no. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, mm-hmm. given my consideration with the theme, I whatever we come up with, there needs to be some time or rope in some people that know if I don't, the, the thematic background. Mm-hmm. So if you say, hey, yeah, yeah. we want to cover, you know, ancient Japan because you haven't done that, I'm going to go, well, I don't know much yeah. about ancient Japan and I don't want to just go to Wikipedia yeah. And hope that someone hasn't put something in as a joke. Um, I won't mention. I won't yeah. mention a game about ancient Japan when <clears> I happened. Um, so I, 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 I kind of quite. I did. Come on, you can't do that, Nigel. <laughs> I'd either need some time to, you know, go away and hit the books and find out myself, or we'd need to, you know, get yeah. some other collaborators who do know about the to say these are the key points, this is what, you know, this is what made yeah. this ancient civilization tick. This was, you know, and, and then and then, yeah. then we can try and use, you know, find the mechanics that fit that. So, yes, yeah. the potential's there, but, I mean, I'm not making any promises, that's for sure. And, and on the other hand, e- even if, you know, we have all the knowledge and Osprey wants 17 different expansions for this game, we wouldn't just make 17 Dominion expansion boxes for this game because uh, Nigel had another genius idea on the theme that I assumed he would say, but hey, he left it for me, so win, is is that the history mechanism, the the nation deck and and the development and the history, it represents a very high zoom out of actual time. So uh, the nations that are quick to become an empire and quick to face the development puzzle are the nations that that uh, got big two three thousand bc and the nations that have a giant nation deck and thus random access to cards and their difficulty is how to manage through that are the ones that peaked between 400 to a thousand a.d which means and 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 Vikings, the the nation that doesn't have any development decks, therefore they become an empire for a second at the end of the game, or rather yeah. don't, have peaked in 1066, the week before uh, the the Normans conquered England. Which means yes. that if tomorrow we pulled out a fantastically exciting civilization that became the strong power of its region in 1214, I would feel bad about putting it in the game, which is why the most obvious question is when can we play the British Empire and the the steampunk airships? And the answer is we can do that in an Imperium-style game, 
but we would never put that in Imperium. In Imperium itself, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It has to be set in that <laughs> history has just started, but mm. the memory of the uh, ancient uh, civilizations is still alive era, mm. because once you hit Middle Ages, then it's a different world. Yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely there's a timeline a in there. Obviously, the fantastical nations yeah. are a little bit but they are still there because that's why we've got the Atlanteans because, hey, the ancient Greeks wrote about them, you know, so they, they're an empire before even Egypt was an empire. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, King Arthur, well, he was around, you know, before the Vikings invaded England because he was, you know, probably a Romano-Brit, although we've gone back to the Welsh legends for that. So, yeah, we've definitely been conscious of the, a timeline, and whatever we do, if it's going to be in Imperium, needs to still sit on that timeline, unless it's something, you know, similar engine, but, you know, not that you'd necessarily put them together, or if you did, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. And you don't just want to fall into the void of throwing out content after content when something does become successful. No, no, it's um, got to bring some and, reason uh, for it. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of but hey, falling, hey, in, hey, we can, speaking we can, of falling we can, into we the void, <laughs> yes, I, I just wanted to plug our our very helpful publisher here because uh, the reason that we are confident that this can work is because Osprey has already shown the way uh, with the Undaunted series, which got you know yes. it was always great, but nobody knew how successful it would be, and and they still uh, stayed true to it. They are. They they plan on making cool stuff for it, but they are still not degrading it into hey, buy a booster pack to your nation and send it to the moon kind of things. So yeah, we are confident that we can stay true to to Nigel's original vision here. That's good. No, that's what that is what you want. But speaking of falling into the void, oh my days! <laughs> You're working on another game to get. See, you ruined it, David. I'm just saying, but I'm not saying you ruined it. But coming soon, there's a game called Voidfall, which I believe is going to be your um, another collaboration between the two of you. Am I correct? It certainly is. I think I'll leave David to uh, to say what he's going to say ah. because um, uh, right. I'm I run the risk <laughs> of either not saying enough or saying too much. <laughs> So, so, so the backstory behind Voidfall is that once Nigel yes. and I got cracking with Imperium, I remembered, hey, didn't I love Omega Century many, many eons ago? And shouldn't we now have the capabilities and the skills to do something like that, but, you know, not mess up the player aids and the rulebook? And on one sunny day, driving home from UK Game Expo and uh, talking to uh, Victor Peter, the head of Mind Clash Games and the designer of Tricarion and Cerebria, and like half the things I know about game development I learned from him. And I was like, hey, what do you think about one day making a space 4X game together? He's like, that could be interesting. I don't know how we would do it because, you know, we don't want to do a Twilight <laughs> Imperium, but what would you do? Yeah. I was like, I don't know, but how about you play Omega Centauri? He was like, play what? Never heard of it. So I got him a copy, I or, or asked Nigel to get him a copy. I don't remember the details. Then I taught them the game yeah. over Skype to make sure that they don't get the rules wrong. And uh -huh. and Victor came back. I see what you mean. 
what's your plan? You wouldn't ask this of me if you didn't have a plan. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. And that's when I introduced Nigel to Wine Clash. And while initially we were talking about, hey, can we just, you know, tighten up, polish it, make it cooler, and just make a sequel to Omega Century, but then the the Mind Clash need to take something good and turn it something into something unexpectedly differently special, amazing, kicked in. And I remember one conversation, and if you played Omega Century, this will be an obvious moment when uh, the Mind Clash team played the game and they said, yeah, but can we remove the cubes? Now, for anyone who played Omega Center, would know that the whole point of the game is collecting cubes. And what they meant was, can we do something more thematic and more integrated? But once you pull that thread, we were like... So we weren't improving Omega Center. We were learning from it and making a new yeah. game in the same elevator pitch. And, and, and Nigel, to me, today, is solidified as... I don't want to say to his face, my favorite co-design partner, because because he took it in his stride. We literally just removed 99% of his stuff, but then he put it back better. So it's, it's, yes, we acknowledge that it has the similar roots of Omega Century, uh, deterministic combat, non-random technologies, uh, uh, known actions to be picked from, etc., but it's a completely different game. And and obviously, Minecraft always has these tiny little ambitions of pe- pleasing everyone. So, I mean, anyone who's willing to look at those ginormous games that I think are well worth the effort. So now it's going to be one to four player, competitive, co-op, uh, various maps, technology setups, all customizable. We'll have suggestions for people that want to be holding a gun to each other's heads all day long yeah yeah and yeah. and we'll have a, uh and we are trying to make sure that the game would be fun if we were literally playing on different maps we're not actually gonna play on different maps but we are mm. like that's our goal that even that would be fun so and and then again the same thing all over again in co-op uh and and that is and the fact that Nigel didn't run away screaming from me two and a half years ago when I first asked, Victor, love the game, but can we change like everything? <laughs> and, 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 and and these days he's more than along for the ride. And when I go overboard, last week he was joking in the team meeting that, oh, I was being Victor and I, I, I told David not to do that. And he was completely right. Mm. So so it's, it's it's been the craziest, most satisfying project and also it's terrible for my health because now every other project I want to work on I want to do it as perfectly as Voidfall and that's really really hard because so. the thing about Mind Clash is it's not, it's not just the mechanics and you know the massive big box of stuff and the table presence, they build worlds they, they do, they put an awful lot of effort into the backstory that goes along with it and making sure that the art fits with it. And okay, you can play the game and ignore some of that. But if you get right into it, like anachrony, you know, you can go read about the different paths and, you know, why the people, why the, you know, each faction does what it does. And it all makes sense thematically, which, you know, just meshes with how kind of how I do things. So, yeah, it's been brilliant. 
All right. It was nice knowing you, Richard. Bye. I need food anyway. He's been eaten by a wizard, but it wasn't us because we are not wizards. Ta-da! I dropped out for a second, so... It's fine. We were very entertaining. <laughs> that sounds funny. In um, fact, we probably signed off extremely well for you, so... No, no, that's and fine. That's fine. No, no. Oh, you have to go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, um, now let's, let's wrap up. Then. And also, Nigel okay. just dropped off. So I don't Did know it? what happened. Oh, yes. Nigel probably thought you'd... Right, okay, well, hopefully Nigel... No, 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 Nigel we can... literally said that we're going to be waiting for you, but... Oh, there he is. Oh, back. he's back, anyway, he's back, he's said, back. He's as back. I said, I need to go, and, and we did a very cool sign-off for you, so so you can you can use it. I will check, I will check the recording, but if... David, if you want to disappear, thank you very, very much for for joining us. I'll keep Nigel on for like two minutes more if that's okay. That's absolutely fine. I'm sure you, with your editing skills, you can make this sound like it wasn't a... I, I have amazing editing skills. I, I've actually made David sound like a quiet um, mouse sometimes. Okay. That's it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like quitting. Uh, that's bye. Bye then. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thanks, Thank David. you very much for having me here thank today. You. And no. I would say you're welcome to call me anytime, but you know, no. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> let's not all right we are gentlemen let's not lie to each other but <laughs> thanks again D D david david will uh, want to talk to you for his next kickstarter i promise you he will do but he's bye and he's away but he okay gone. that's good we he's can gone. we can do an we should do an entire new session and just kind of um edit it <laughs> and just have him not in it at all but no i mean so you're now in the position where You've got obviously you're talking about Voidfall. What's happening with Voidfall? When is that going to be? Kind of what's the situation with that? When is that? Is that coming to Kickstarter? Is that going to directly into kind of distribution? What's the situation with that? No, the Mind Clash, their current business model is they do do Kickstarter, so that's what they're right. working towards now. I haven't got a one thing about Mind Clash is they they definitely they try to do things you know, when they're ready and when things are ready. I mean, sometimes mm. with any project with as many moving parts as a Mind Clash game, there's delays, but they don't go into it yeah. with no idea and then discover, oh, oh, yeah, we haven't done that yet. Oh, that's another six-month delay yeah. on top of that. So that they okay. try and make sure they've got, you know, you know, that there, there is a game that actually is playable that's, you know, been tested, that's, you know, we tried this out, et cetera before mm -hmm. you know they launch so yes we've we're, we're quite hard at work at working on it working with um okay. ian O'Toole, because you know that's the other thing yeah. you know, when you bring an artist and graphic designer into it as well sometimes you can mm. you either conceive of a game play mechanic and ian will go well how are you going to do that on the table or yeah. the other way around it might be well he he can you know, sometimes he inputs with the, well, if you did it like this, or, you know, because he's obviously working on the iconography as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that that inputs and gives ideas as well. So we're still definitely, it's still a work in progress, but um, mm -hmm. each iteration is, you know, closer and closer to what Mind Clash is, you know, viewers, you know, good enough for them. So, um, yeah, the plan <laughs> is to come to Kickstart sometime this year. Um they they do it when they're when they when they're ready. And how how are you 
in retrospect, I mean, obviously, as we kind of alluded before, you've kind of come over several kind of bumps now. Has as what's happened with Imperium and now what's happening with Voidfall, has that kind of really tempered up your enthusiasm? Is it kind of, are you now like a, a, a flood of more ideas now that you know, obviously, you're, you've, you've, you've got a name out there, you've got a, a game out there which people are aware of, you're going to have obviously Voidfall and everything that happens with that, so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the flood of ideas is necessarily more of a stream than it was before. It might be, mm. the ideas might be a little bit more focused and not quite so scattergun. Um, the other thing, of course, is I'm spending a lot more time working on games rather than playing them or doing other things. And the other thing I think mm. is when when you start doing a, a lot of game development and design and looking at me mechanisms and, you know, I'm picking something up that was sort of working apart and putting it back together again. Um, it's a bit like, you know, you're not going to do major surgery on your car as you're driving down the motorway. So, you know, there's times mm -hmm. where you have to kind of put the game to, you know, and you know, work on it because it's bits are not working or even throw bits of it away and come back to it. Now I've been doing that much more. It, I'm not going to say it's spoiled playing games for me, but quite often I'll play a new game and I find I catch myself looking at the mechanisms, which is not how I used to play games at all. Cause as I said before, I was just all about the narrative yeah. and the experience. And I, so yeah, I kind of have to catch myself sometimes to say, look, stop thinking about that. Just play the game. Stop thinking about it and just enjoy what you're, enjoy yeah, what you're doing. Exactly. Instead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. yeah, I sometimes okay. have to pull myself up about that a bit, <laughs> but no, it's great. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm, I'm glad people like what I'm doing. So that helps as well. So in terms of if people have listened along tonight and they are, you know, they're wanting to kind of keep an eye on you. Um, everybody knows where David is. You know, you can't, you can't escape from the guy, but if they're interested in Probably you know, following, I, I have so much time for him. I mean, I know it's like, there's a bit of back and forth, but there's nothing malicious about it. He's like, um, you know, he was involved in a, in anachrony. He's got the um, was it the defense of Procyon three kind of coming. I mean, there's lots of games that you know he's been involved in. You know, um, like solo modes and stuff like that. Just Blitzkrieg and everything like that, which I've kind of like. I've got a lot of respect for the amount of work and just this the what he's turning out again and again and again. So he's fine, but if people have listened along tonight and they're like, oh. I want to keep up with Mr. Buckle. I want to, you know, find it, you know, keep a keep a keep up to speed with what he's up to, what he's doing, and where we can find them. Where do you exist on the internet webs, Mr. Buckle? Oh yeah, I'm on. You might, you know, I've got Twitter, I've got Facebook, but Ball Game Geek is where I'm most active. I think. All right. Um, okay. Saying saying that I'm. I don't. In, I don't envisage turning into David Mark II and be producing 
four games on Kickstarter at the same time and flipping my brain between three projects all in the yeah. same day. Uh, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a bit more methodical um, work on stuff kind of guy. Um, so I, I think at the moment um, you've probably seen my name pop up with David. I think we've got, there's quite a lot. We work quite well together. Yeah. And no. so, yeah, I think we see, but um, <laughs> at the moment um, with irons in the fire and whatever, I think I'll be, it'd be mostly with David that I'll be doing stuff unless, you know, something else. Well, you never know. Comes up. Never they know. never say never about anything really, but yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, I am not a full-time designer. Um, yeah. That wouldn't pay the mortgage. <laughs> 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 Not in this country, anyway. No. <laughs> we wouldn't pay rent as well, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, quite. Um, Absolutely. But look, I can only thank you for spending the time kind of coming on. I know it was a baptism, baptism of fire because I've obviously spoke to David before. I haven't spoken to yourself before. So I can only thank you um, for giving me the time um, this evening to... Um, to have a chat i really kind of really really uh, appreciate your time and uh, hopefully everybody who's listening along tonight will understand a little bit more about you and and you know the, the kind of the, the the person behind kind of imperium and you know giving them a better understanding about the the game at kind of itself so I, I really do appreciate your time this evening oh, well, Nigel. Thank, thank you for giving me the opportunity as well as i say it's, uh, i'm a little bit like a fish out of water and uh, what I would say is um, I'm not so much into this kind of whole personality kind of thing. So I just say, try the game. And if you like it, that's great. <laughs> and if you're not sure, go check some playthroughs first and see whether it is yeah. the sort of game you might like. Yeah. Um, I, it's all right. I get told um, I've not got a personality at all. So <laughs> I guess <laughs> I, I don't know why that is. It's just abject cruelty out there um if you've listened along tonight and if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to on the internet webs then just search for us we're not wizards you'll find us on various places of various online spaces like you can find us on facebook and instagram and twitter and on we are on tiktok um because we're sad but we're not 12 um and youtube and all these other just everywhere we're like a some kind of horrific, I was going to say we're like some kind of horrific plague that has to be stopped, but that's a bit too close to home. Um, but if you like what you've listened to, please jump onto Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or a review. And if you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, don't give us one star because it'll make me cry. But at the same time, don't give us 10 stars because it makes me big headed and we don't need that in the world. Um, give us something in the middle like a five because it's average and at the end of the day we are just a little bit average but one of the people who's not been average tonight is rather wonderful rather fantastic decided to stay into the end and didn't jump out like david did i give you mr nigel buckle thank you very very much for coming on sir thank you and there is only two more things to do the first thing is to remember that we're many things but we're not wizards are we wizards nigel I think we we both create a little bit of magic. Oh, you flatter me. 
Uh, the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Nigel. Say goodbye, Nigel. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rule sixes. Make something awful. And until the next time, if you fancy yourself a little bit, a little bit of deck building, a little bit of resource management, a little bit of learning about history, then get yourself a copy of Imperium. But until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. A wizard is never late. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to.